I'm sorry. I'm supposed to be a professional. <laughs> Last night, you know, right now I'm sitting here. <laughs> I'm thinking of my mom, probably running around this place as a kid. Unbelievable. She lived down the block. Probably running around this place as a kid, a hundred, almost a hundred years ago. Last night I was thinking of the pasuk. When Yosef gets off of his chariot and he turns to his father and he sees him and it says, He falls on his neck and he cries, and he cries on his neck. Who cries? Who falls? The rabbis say it was Yosef. He was crying on his father's neck, a great crying. And what was his father doing? His father was saying, Kriyat Shema. What do you mean? It's his father who didn't know his son was alive. 22 years. He should be crying. What was the idea behind the Shema? Some suggest that Yosef HaSadiq he saw his father and he said, Dad, you're coming to Egypt. The exile is beginning. It's the time of Elohim. It's a time of Midat Adin. It's a time of judgment. Dad, it's not good. And his father said to him, Yosef, Hashem, Yudke mercy, Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. It's all the same Hashem. His father sees his son. All he's worried about is how do I lift my son? How do I make him feel better? How do I make him not sad? How do I do for him? This is the people we grew up with. Not thinking of themselves. Always thinking of someone else. The purpose of a eulogy is so that we see someone's life and we think, what can I do different? Ruby said, you have parents. Be with them, respect them, take care of them. I'm going to explain a bit about my mother in a few minutes, but about nine years ago, a dad passed away. And at that point, I became much closer. I think we all became much closer to my mom. My dad was really larger than life. And I got to spend a lot of time with my mom, especially during the winters when she was in Florida. Got to switch with Ellen and Isaac. Thank you for giving me a room in your, your help. And every week I was in Florida, you know, the rabbi's here. Someone invites him to dinner Friday night. But I said, the only reason I'm in Florida is not to come speak in the shul. The reason I'm here is to be with my mother. And those Friday nights, the nightly dinners that I had with her was so special, even the Saturday night where she dragged me to Marshall's at the Dallas board. <laughs> so special. And, and I think my siblings, like Ruby said, really had a special time this last decade. She really taught us to appreciate 
the good things in life. When we had a celebration, when we had something special, she would say, if Papa could see me now, if Papa could see us now. She appreciated the sacrifice that her parents made in order for her to have, in order for all of them to have. She was so appreciative of her children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great. When Michaela deemed Orly Adele, she was so happy. Oh, Lord, and just deemed Juliet Adele. My mother said, it's so unbelievable. I'm so old that they named me after me. I'm blessed. I have two eloquent brothers. But the truth is, we shouldn't be giving the Hesvedim today. It should be Kakam Yaakov, Kakam Moshe, Kakam Rad. My mother told me at the hospital last month. She said to me, You know why? I have such a blessed life. I'm going to tell you. When I was younger, I was also secretary to Chatham, Yaakov, to Rabbi Jacob Kassim. And when I finished working for him, he blessed me that I should have an incredible life. He blessed me. My uncle Chatham Moshe Gindi blessed me. And daddy's Rabbi Chatham Urat. And I know that those blessings are what took me through and gave me my entire life. We talk about it, but do we live it? She lived it. On Saturday night, when we finished Habdallah, her like so many other women in the community, she would walk over to the mezuzah and she would make a prayer. And the prayer she would make I believe it was greater than the prayer of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur in the Kodesh HaKodeshim. That's how much faith she had in that moment praying to Hashem. Who should be here? Her siblings are all gone. When we lit the candle on Sunday night, the last candle of Hanukkah, she said to me, I miss my sister, right? who passed away on the eighth night of Hanukkah. That was her connection. And her relationship and her love with her sisters was incredible. She talked about it all the time. About Sally and Florida and Jimmy and Rosie and Al and, 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 and Ray. And, and she talked about Margie, how much she loved her and her beloved Lorraine and how Jack and she wanted to do for Jack and Heine and how much she loved Heine. And her, her other half, Moe. I took one phone call this morning from my anchors. She was hysterical. And she said to me, and I'm so appreciative because during COVID, she was really there with my mother in Florida. And she said to me, you know why I like to spend so much time with your mother? Because she reminded me so much of my husband, so much of Moe me. She said, when I was with your mother, I felt him. My mom had a skill of building people, of lifting people up, of showing anyone that you could store. Her friends, almost all gone. But when we were sitting in the hospital, she gave me a list of who to make sure comes to the funeral. 
Chanti, no, Chanti passed away. Simone, Simone, make sure Simone. Claudia, yeah. She went on. There was a famous rabbi. His name was Honi Hamagal. And the story how he sleeps and he wakes up and all of his friends are gone. And with none of them, he says, or the friends of my youth or my death. My mom was the proverbial last man standing, but she had an incredible knack of making friends with younger people. And few people knew how old she really was. She never told us the World War II stories because that would have had to admit how old she was. When she worked for Army Intelligence, she actually had her license date on birth changed. It was Monique, who probably 30 years ago told me, don't you know how old your mother really is? But she had this ability to become friends with those who were younger and younger. And she said, what am I going to do? I have to play cards with someone. I have to socialize with someone. And as young as, as she, she would say really that you are as young as you feel. And she had a secret. Listen, there weren't that many women in their mid-90s who went to the gym every day. And she ate almost nothing. And she mentally took care of herself. And I really saw it in the hospital when the drugs they were giving her were pushing her. How she would repeat over and over again to try to focus on who she was and where she was and what was. Connecting to her mind was crucial. But for all that, her purpose in life was us. Her children, her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren. She epitomized the proverb that the most powerful and dangerous creature on earth is a mother protecting her young. I and all of us lived it, experienced it time and again. From small things like signing up for a tennis court that someone tried to take in the deal uh, in the deal police station when my mother said, you're not doing that to my kids. To being one of the few people I ever saw stand up to Rabbi David Eliyaka and he was afraid of us. <laughs> but it was about finding a place in our lives. She once explained that when she saw her babies, Victor and me, we were little boys. All we were interested in was sports. My mother decided to learn sports. And she not only learned sports, she knew more about sports than anyone in this room by then. Every baseball game, every stat, every player, every football game, hockey game, basketball, tennis, golf, everything she knew. But it wasn't because she was interested in sports. It's because she wanted to relate to her kids. She needed a way in, and she had to figure out a way in. My children, and I'm sure everyone's children, have stories of how she built and encouraged them, how she pushed them towards their goals and beyond. And for the first 97 years of her life, she rarely have ever complained. It was never about her. It was always about you. How she blessed my wife during the past year recovering from the transplant surgery. It was unbelievable how the blessing was always in her mouth. And she would say, I have the ability to bless. I'm a Bat Kohen, but not just from my father, from my mother also. I'm a pure Kohen. There aren't many of those around. Her blessings were powerful. So we all need to think about the relationship. Ruby mentioned the parents, but I say the other way. With our children, our spouses, our siblings, our friends. 
Can we learn from Grandma Adele not to make it about us, to make it about them? Debbie said, like her own mother. Like her own mother. Finally, I want to close with a thought. You know, he said, Lou Gehrig stood in Yankee Stadium at the end of his career. He was done. He was going to die. And he said, I feel like the luckiest man on the face of the earth. And I can tell you, I feel like the luckiest man on the face of the earth. And like Ruby said, I'm looking at my sister Ellen, my brother-in-law Isaac, Ruby and Ruthie, Victor, and Sherry. There was nothing that you wouldn't do for mom. There was nothing too big. There was nothing too small. Each of you is, was, and always will be amazing. To all the grandkids, to Monique, to Allison, to all the Josephs, to Julie, Adele, Marlene, Rini, Victoria, the great-grandchildren, the greats, the great-greats. It's unbelievable. She connected with everybody, but you were all there for her. She was your focus in life. The chat was, what could we do for Grandma? It's a privilege to have you as siblings, to have you as nieces and nephews. You guys are all so amazing. And she appreciated every one of you. She had a list. She had a list. There are five things left on the list last month. She checked one off. She had four more left on the list. And I know she's working on that list right now. She's working on the list. She was always worried about each and every one of you. You know, the night we were able to move her, thanks to Monique and David, from, from Maimonides to Mount Sinai, it was after midnight on Thanksgiving. And it was unbelievable how Adele was there and went with her and held her hand in the ambulance and encouraged her that whole night. And then when we got to the hospital, it was Eddie and Moses that stood there and explained everything to the doctors in a way that was so clear and understandable that the doctors felt this personal, I'm telling you this doctor, his name was Dr. Eliyahu, he felt a personal connection and responsibility to her, but I think it was so much because of you guys. He connected with you, they connected with you, and they felt responsible. And I stood there and I was so happy to be a spectator. I am so privileged, I'm so deeply grateful to be part of this amazing family. My mom would thank each and every one of you for being here, for being with her. She loved all of you. I'm looking, she remembered the, the, the summer BB girls, once a, once a summer luncheon that she would go with all you guys. And she was always so happy. She always wanted to connect with everybody. She always wanted to be there for everybody. She's not here, but we have to remember we have a responsibility. We have to always be there for each other. And that's the way that you'll be happy. Thank you everyone for listening. Still recording, you want it?
grandchildren, sons-in-law, great-grandchildren, friends. Our sages teach that 30 days prior to a person's passing through this world, his salient, or his clothing of the soul, is separated from him. Though his body becomes frail and weak, his spirituality actually begins to wax. This is the secret with why our forefathers always sought to bless close to the days of death. I always wondered why close to a person, uh, when they speak of the living God, why are they always speaking about the last three, four weeks of a person's life? 50 years, 80 years, 90 years, why is it so important to speak about the last day? You know, and she was sick, and she went here, and right? You know, when people visit, why, why do they express that? And, and I think there's something to it, because during those last 30 days, there is a, like we said, there is an expansion of a person's spirituality, even though we see physically they look weaker. And I just want to share you some thoughts on the last 30 days of my mom's life, um, just as a pre precursor uh, for some words about her life. <coughs> my mom's health began to deteriorate after her fall about a month ago. She was spending more and more hours of sleep, or at least with her eyes closed and mouth silent. In a state of being, we the living could barely penetrate. But she still seemed that inside the thought that was a chance for my mom would get better. However, she couldn't swallow and only with tremendous difficulty managed to communicate. We knew, we knew she might be tiring from the struggle. For the moment, the family contented ourselves that there was hope that she would come out of it. It was not to be. Last night, after Hatzalah members valiantly tried to revive her, Hashem Shemim valiantly, they pronounced her death. It was then that her soul, which had accompanied her during life here on the earth, left her and ascended back to her Creator. Elohai, my God, the soul you have given me is pure. In the future, you will take it from me. I think in those initial moments, myself and my siblings turned inside ourselves to examine whether we properly honored and feared our mother properly. My mind began to drift. I recall what is written in Gedeta Kodesh, all the effort of man, for which his which soul toiled for a lifetime, becomes revealed at the time a person passes. I thought about my mom, how, how she's endowed with so many good character traits in me though. As my brother mentioned earlier, my mother often expressed her admiration for the hachamim of her time. She beamed as she recalled her short stint in a secretary position with Bacham Yaakov Kassim, Allah Shalom. He referred to my mom as a secretary. She often spoke of a relationship with her uncle, Chacham Moshe Bindi. She spoke with pride in recalling his visits to my parents' home. My mom was the most zealous person in one particular area. I don't know anyone that was like her. The Pasuk says in Devarim, A person is obligated to the extreme to worry about their physical body. 
Who worries about that? To worry about their health? It says me'od. It's the only mitzvah said that says me'od. Not only a little bit, you gotta be careful. It's known that my mom was not only zealous about her own personal health and took care about taking her vitamins, eating the proper food with an occasional peanut butter and ice cream in and out of there. She not only did that for herself her whole life, she did that for my dad, my dad, Allah. There is no question in my mind that my mom added 40 years to my father's life. She took care, making sure he eat healthy, taking vitamins, take care. And not only with my father, she did the same with her parents. When her parents needed to go to the doctor, it was my mom's first online. I'm taking you, we're going, let's go, take care. Did you call the doctor, take care of yourself. The Rambam brings down that when you want to go to live into a city, you have to make sure that there's a doctor there. Not only there's a mikveh and a yeshiva, there has to be a doctor. There has to be a doctor. We have to take care of ourselves. Speaking to myself more than anyone. My mother was very, very zealous about that. And like my brother mentioned, even in her 90s, she was out with Seal Roberts, jogging, jogging away, walking, eating healthy. Who reaches that level? We can fulfill one mitzvah that great. For me, it's something else. This week's Perashah, we know that a person passes away, there's a connection to something in the Perashah. I want to tell you an Abam idea that I believe is reflected in my mother's life um, and it's found in the Perush of Kadosh on the first few words of this week's Perashah. The opening words of the Perashah are Vayigash Elav Yehuda. Yehuda came close to Yosef. What do you mean he came close to Yosef? It's not telling us that he merely came in a physical way. He became somehow he connected to Yosef. And let's understand how and why and what the Orachim says. Everyone knows that my mom found favor in people's eyes. Besides the children and grandchildren and, and, and worrying where they are and where they're going and who they are, and each son-in-law she would be friendly with and close with, and, and it, it was really an amazing relationship my mother had with almost everyone, with her nieces and nephews. But she had best friends for even those people who were 50 years younger, whether it was the person at the newspaper stand, the washing lady at the beauty parlor, the waitress at the restaurant, or a nurse at the doctor's office or a running partner at the gym. Of course, we can say that mom had charm and great disposition, but I think it goes much further and much deeper. I think the secret can be found in the words of the Orachayim HaKadosh. Very often we ponder, I wonder if that person likes me. How do I know if another person likes me? Can we find the secret to Jewish telepathy? How can we find out, is this person like me or not? The Orachim HaKadosh is going to give you a bomb, and I believe my mother lived this life. Yehuda endeavored to turn Yosef's heart towards himself. How am I going to go to this leader of Mitzrayim who wants to take my brother, put him in jail, make him a slave for life, and I'm going to have to go back to my father and tell him that my brother was taken. How am I going to endeavor him? How am I going to change his heart? 
Yehuda says, Yehuda. He understood the teaching of King Shalomon, as taught in the Listen to this words. As face to a face is reflected in water. A person looks in water and sees his face. So a man's heart is reflected by his counterpart's heart. What does that mean? Even though Yehuda had a natural dislike for the idol worshippers, as he considered Yosef to be, he knew that the only way to engender Yosef to find favor in his brother is for Yehuda himself to remove the dislike and, and engender within himself a natural love for Yosef. That's what it means, the Orahim says, by If a person wants someone else to love him, or he wants to see if he loves him, first look in your heart. If you look at someone else and you don't like them, you should know for sure that they don't like you. However, if you want to engender love from somebody else to you, you open your heart to them. Open your heart to them. And when you open your heart to them, they'll immediately, they'll immediately start to engender love for you. And this is what Yehuda did according to Orachim HaKadosh. Vayigash elav Yehuda. Yehuda went in order to open his heart and start to love this person who he has only disliked for in order for Yosef to engender and open his heart towards him. Grandma, mom, I believe had that secret. Why do other people like her? How did she engender all these people to, oh, I love your mother, oh, your mother's so good, I love your mother. All these people are younger than me were my brother's and my mother's best friends. It had to be that my mom knew intuitively the words of the Orachim HaKadosh. She knew that in order to engender other people, hard on them, we have to open up our hearts to other people. When we look at people and say, ah, I wonder if they like me or not. Look in your heart. You don't like them? For sure. I'll let you know now. They don't like you. And you want to, you want to engender other people? Be like Grandma Adele. Open your hearts to them. You open your hearts, you give them a smile, then they'll love you. We think that, oh, look at this person, look at him like that. Look at this person, they, they're, they're a little higher than they. No, that's because of us. That is because of us. But if we could smile and we could say, you know what, I really love them. Ah, I love them. Then we'll get it back. And therefore it's incumbent upon us not only to love them for ourselves, but to engender them to, to express this love. And I think that is an unbelievable idea. And my mom, through this way, engendered in her heart towards people more caring. And that was reflected in the life of my mom. And this is what we're taught by Yagashilaf. And that's why Yosef, Yoruga said, I'm going to have close feelings for Yosef. And then immediately Yosef says, I, I can't hold it in. I can't hold it in. I'm Yosef. And maybe like my brother said, that's when he's crying on them. It happened how? How did Yosef reveal himself? But he got Yehuda. Yehuda said, I love you. I love you. I'm going to like you. I need to go. I'm going to go meet somebody. My thing is going to be a little bit difficult. I'm going to smile. I'm going to love them. I'm going to love them. I'm just going to love them. Like Rabbi Trent used to say, just love them. You just love them? We'll get it back.
tremendous idea, and I think my mother lived that life, and she's personified like that. I'm sure there's a lot more we could say about my mom and my husband's life. I just want to end with one idea that I said at my father at Al-Shalom's funeral nine years ago. We know that there is some, um, that, that there's a very, very important idea that's brought down in the Zohar as well as the Talmud, that even though it's probably proper for the women and men to be both at a funeral and the Levayah, however, it's not proper for them to mix at this time. Like I asked at my father's funeral, please let the men walk out first, and they'll go into the street, and the woman should remain on the sidewalk. It's not a matter of religiosity. In a matter, according to the Zohar and Kemara, it's a matter of sakana. If there is mixing at the time of the funeral, there is sakana. However, the Zohar asks, maybe the woman shouldn't come to the funeral. Rabbi Shimon says, no, they have to come to the funeral. It's a big tikkun for them. However, we should be careful to make sure, please, we did it at my father, Allah Shalom, and the Zikud of my mother, let the men go out, and then after the men go out, the woman could walk out onto the sidewalk, and in that will make me Kiddush Hashem. And I hope these words will be a Yad for my mom. Tienish Matah Sarab Sarabhim. Immediate family, please come for forgiveness. Ask for, please come and ask forgiveness for the last time. Everybody in the Kahal is welcome to ask for forgiveness from the Nifkeret as well. Sitting will be at 1897 East 7th Street. Street. Shahrit will be 7 8 o'clock Friday, Sunday, Monday, 7 o'clock Tuesday and Wednesday. 8 o'clock Friday, Sunday, Monday, 7 o'clock Tuesday, on Tuesday and Wednesday. And Shah Minha will be 415. 415. Again, it's on and 1897 East 7th Street. Minha, 1 o'clock Friday. Minha, 1 o'clock Friday. If anybody wants to go to the Beta Hayim, the cars are going to be arranged on 21st Avenue. Um, everybody ready?
We're going to do a 180 on the Aron. 